This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 238, recorded Monday, November the 9th, 2015. So we are here today, of course, to recap and cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, which is season six, episode four. But just... No? Five. Oh, five? You're right. It's it's five. Oh, my episode notes. five. What's the matter? We're, are you a week behind? Are we gonna? Which one are we gonna talk about? No, we're we're gonna do number five. You're right. I'm a week behind. I should pay attention more to what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My, sorry. My notes were wrong, and anything that's written in the notes, I say. Right. Just like Ron Burgundy. Just like Ron Burgundy. So, uh, sorry. Episode five. Uh, I thought you were just saying no. I don't want to. No, I do want to. I just. Don't want to review that one again. Okay, good. Well, we're going to do episode number five. Um, but before we get started, I have an announcement of sorts to make. An announcement? An announcement. I am on another podcast. You're on another podcast? I What's am, going on? I am doing another podcast. So everyone knows that we share a lot of listeners with uh, Jason and Karen who do the Walking Dead cast. Mm-hmm. It's one of the, you know, the best other Walking Dead podcasts out there. We've known them for a long time. And Jason has started not so long ago a podcast network. So he's got mm-hmm. a bunch of shows that he's working with and he's hosting some. He's got other people hosting them and they're all really great shows. But one of the shows he started is a, a show called Evil Dead Cast. Evil Dead cast. Right. So you can probably imagine he is going to be covering uh, the new Stars series, Ash versus Evil Dead. And it's going to be him and me and a guy named Rich covering that once a week. So it should be kind of fun. If you are watching Ash versus Evil Dead, I recommend going over to podcastica.com, which is the name of his network, and checking us out. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. I've only been on one episode so far. We recorded it this week. It's out now. It's episode number five. Um, but I'm going to stick with them through the first season of the show and, and see how it goes. So I don't know if you've watched the show yet, Jason, but you I should. I have not watched it yet. You should. It is fantastic. Really? I think so, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. It's funny. It's super gory. Um, Ash is amazing. Bruce Campbell is amazing as Ash. The other characters are fun. It's just it's just a wild romp in the Evil Dead universe and just so entertaining. Well, that sounds like fun. Highly recommend it, yeah. When's it on? It is on Saturday nights at uh, 9 on Stars. Stars. Yes. All right. Stars. You'll have to figure that out. Um, anyways, that's Evil Deadcast, um, which I'm going to be on for the next, uh, I guess, eight weeks weeks because there's been two episodes so far and there's 10 in the season and check it out at podcastica.com all right let's get right into our recap of this week's episode of the walking dead we got a couple of title reads and here they are this is the talking dead covering the walking dead season six episode five monologues wait what now is that the really really now now. Thank you very much to Dante in Kinda Safe Zone 19, <laughs> Houston, and Gareth on the internet. So Dante sent in a couple of those uh, that 
uh, sort of station ID type reads. And I think they're funny. So I'm going to keep playing them if he sends them in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Monologues. <laughs> that was pretty good, I thought. Yeah. All right. So our recap of season six, episode five, it's called Now. We start in Alexandria. And Deanna, she's out there outside the wall, or sorry, inside the wall, climbs up a ladder to the top. And once again, she's at panel number one that says R. Monroe. So that's where her husband, Reg, started the wall. Right. And we can hear some faint voices in the background as she looks around. And down on the street, we see Michonne, who I guess has recently returned with Scott and Heath. And she's telling Maggie what happened um, to Glenn and basically what happened out out there. Right. She hasn't returned in the zombie kind of sense, right? The returned kind of thing. Yeah, no. It's, uh, no, she has uh, re-arrived? She's re-arrived. She's arrived back at Alexandria. There you go. Not returned. No, okay. She's not amongst the undead, no. But uh, she's back, and she's basically giving Maggie sort of the story of what happened. You know, she's not really saying Glenn is dead, but she said he was going to give us a signal. He... We never got that signal. We had to run. We don't know what happened to him. So he's probably still out there, um, you know, maybe cowering under a dumpster or something. Who knows what he could be doing? Yeah, of course. Uh, Meanwhile, other people are around and they're they're clearing bodies. So they're clearing up uh, from the wolf attack. So it's right after that. And then we hear Rick yelling, open the gate. Mm -hmm. So I guess Rick is back and he escaped the RV. Yeah, easy as pie, like I thought. Yeah, I it's mean, so easy that they could just gloss over it and not actually show it. They didn't even have to show us what was going on. It's just assumed now that Rick can get out of a situation like that. Well, yeah, because it was ridiculously easy. <laughs> Only zombies on one side, and he's got a door that he can exit. Yeah. All right. Well, I was I was hoping for something a little more dramatic. I think, nah. but I I guess Rick just gets out of the RV and runs. Yeah. Okay. He's a runner. He is. Um, now, Deanna's up in the walls. I said she sees the herd coming and she sees Rick running. Uh, it's it's close. They open the gate. Uh, it's close, but Rick makes it in. And we can see hundreds of zombies start to crowd the gate and the wall, sort of coming from all directions. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't really look good. So we go to the opening credits and still no Stephen Yun's name in the credits. Right. That's no good. So we're on Stephen Yun watch. Do you mean we're watching for Glenn or are we watching for zombie Glenn in the in the cast of uh, extras? <laughs> no, I mean uh, we're on Glenn's, Stephen Yun's name watch in the credits and it's still oh, not see. there. Okay, because I, I looked for him. Did in you? The, in the sea of zombies, yeah. I spent the whole episode keeping an eye out for him. Maybe like maybe he's there just standing outside the wall. Well, I figured that might be a good, uh, a good shocker. It's, uh, you know, he, Glenn's face comes ramming in between some bars or something and uh that'd be kind of freaky that would be freaky the problem with that idea though is that i mean we're supposed to believe he was torn apart like he had intestines being ripped out <clears throat> whether they were coming from his abdomen or his neck who who cares you but don't need intestines to be a zombie i guess not but you need some sort of mass to keep you upright and we need I, muscles yeah, I just feel like he, with that many zombies around, he would have been torn apart, you know, with and almost nothing left, really. Yeah, well, I still look I for him. Yeah, of course. I'm, if, I'm on Glenn, I'm on Zombie Glenn watch, zombie as well Glenn. as uh, Stephen Ewan naming the credits watch, as well as uh, Glenn showing up again after uh, hiding under a dumpster watch. 
Right. All of these things are possibilities. Yes. Well, we come back from the opening credits, and there are lots of zombies outside the wall, we can see. And inside Alexandria, uh, you know, people standing around, a lot of people. Some are inspecting the wall supports and making sure everything's okay. Rick comes, and he tells them that half the zombies made it back to Alexandria, but the other half they successfully diverted. And he says that there's still enough to surround us 20 deep. So really, I mean... They're not in great shape here with the number of zombies outside the wall. That's a lot of zombies. It really is. I mean, Alexandria is pretty big, and they've got 20 deep at least around. That's a lot. Uh, But he reassures them that they're safe for now, and he says that they have to hold it together. I mean, sure, there are a lot of zombies there, but we're not in immediate danger, so just hold it together. We'll figure something out. And he says that the others will make it back safely. We just have to wait for them. (laughs) Right? Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, a nice optimistic way of uh, reassuring people. Yeah, that's right. They're coming. Don't worry about it. They're fine. Yeah. Um, He tells them to keep the lights out, don't make any noise, and he kind of says maybe they'll just move on. Maybe the zombies will get bored and they'll just go away. Uh, It's wishful thinking, I think. Well, I mean, if they... uh... If the wall is anything like the wall that they built around the uh, near the RV, as soon as they touch the wall, their heads are going to explode. So uh, maybe it's just a matter of time before they, the zombies all kill themselves. It's true. That's a, that brings up another point, though. I've I kind of wonder. You know, I know they did this at the prison a little bit, and they were doing this in the comic too at the prison, trying to stab zombies through the fence. Yep. You know, which I think I think personally is actually a really good idea because the more you stab. It builds up a zombie protection wall on the other side of your fence or your wall, right? Sort of. Like It also builds a zombie ramp, which allows other zombies to walk uh, up yeah. and get over the wall. Yeah, okay, you're right. I was thinking you, you, you stab a bunch, they fall down, and you just keep doing that, and you, you create a barrier there so that the, yeah. the, the uh, actual zombies can't get right up against the wall and cause that pressure, but you're right, if they ramp... And if they create a ramp and they start walking up, that just gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. But it could go either way. It really either could. Way. Um, at this point, Aaron uh, pipes up and he explains that the quarry broke open and Rick's plan work worked. So he's backing Rick on this. And he admits that he was out with Daryl and they got stuck in the wolf's trap and he lost his pack. So he really feels responsible for the wolf attack on alexandria he thinks he's the one basically who led them there right um which isn't entirely true probably but you know it's partly true (laughs) he he lost his bag and the pictures were in it with a map too i assume well yeah i guess i mean he probably know where to go but yeah if there was a map in there sure sure surely would have made it easier for them well it's Um, not like you can uh you can look things up on your phone anymore and go where the hell am i no, that's you true. Know, or even find a road map because uh, people would have picked those over. You'd have to look through cars and such. But anyway, you know, I'd, I'd probably keep my own copy of a map just to make sure that I could get back to where I needed to go. Well, you don't want to get lost out there, right? And his whole job was going to find people. So yeah. you don't want to get stuck somewhere and not know where you are. Um, Deanna is clearly traumatized by all this and she just kind of walks away without saying anything. We cut over to Jessie, who goes into her house, and she drags that dead wolf from her kitchen, uh, and she drags her to the Alexandrian Cemetery. 
She starts to dig a grave for this woman, but Rick comes and stops her because, as we know, he feels they don't buy, uh, bury killers inside the wall. And uh, he says that, you know, we can wait and take the bodies out later once we've dealt with the giant zombie wall at the gate. <laughs> right. But uh, forget and, it, we're not burying these people. Yeah, ultimately, who gives a shit? I mean, seriously, who cares? Like, why have this these hard and fast rules about, uh, you know, good people versus bad people, whether they can be inside the wall versus outside the wall? You know, it's uh, the world has gone to hell in a handbasket. Who gives a flying fuck where you bury the bodies? You know, I kind of feel the same way. Or if you want to make a distinction, like bury your friends and, and like burn the bodies of the people, you know, yeah. you don't like or something. I mean, mass, I don't know. Mass graves for uh, schmucks and, uh, you know, individually marked graves with uh, pleasant markers for uh, for the people you uh, know and love. For non-schmucks. Non-schmucks. <laughs> um, you know what it was weird for me in this scene? It was just seeing a big pile of non-zombie bodies. When you think about it, you know, a lot of individuals die on this show all the time, and we've seen plenty of sort of funeral-type scenes, um, but it's it's usually like one person at a time, especially if it's a main character. Yeah. Here, there was just a big pile of wolves there, and usually when we see piles of bodies, it's zombies, and they're generally on fire because they seem to burn them, uh, yeah. like Morgan did last week, right? So I was, mm-hmm. I was weirded out a little bit by seeing a big pile of, like, living people that were dead that hadn't come back because they'd been stabbed in the head. Right. But you don't actually mean living people that were dead, like the living dead kind of thing. I, you just mean <laughs> non-zombies. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank Semantics you. is is important here. No, it is. You've got the dead people walking around and uh, you, you get confused. And there's so many terms for them. So, yeah, uh, you know, any kind of uh, multiple dead people lying in the streets would be weird, weird for me. Yeah, and and here they were just stacked up in a in a heap. So it's just not something you see on this show uh, that much, or at least I felt like it isn't. Um, so we cut over to the Alexandria pantry, and there's a bunch of people there who want extra food, but Olivia is trying to convince them to ration it out as much as they can. And they're not too angry, but they're a bit of they're a bit of a mob. These people and they want their yeah. food, so they start to take extra food. And suddenly Spencer shows up, and he's able to convince everyone to make it last. He says, if we ignore the rules now, it'll start them down a road where nothing matters, and this will be the day we mark as the day Alexandria died, is pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So after his sort of uh, encouraging speech there, they decide to put the food back, and it turns out Deanna's there, and she seems proud of her son, I would say. Um for standing up for for what's right Mm -hmm. um and i guess the people of alexandria at this point are just starting to lose hope a little bit you know they were attacked a lot of people died now there's a massive herd of zombies right outside their door and they figure well if we're gonna go down we might as well go down with full stomachs yeah they're freaking out yeah and and rightfully so but at the same time this is the time like spencer said when you gotta when you gotta um have a steel resolve and and not not let yourself get uh, freaked out and ruin everything yeah it's true so now we see aaron again he's walking around and he sees maggie doing something with some rebar and he moves on to a section of the wall where people are writing the names of the dead and here are all the names of everybody on the wall we've got dinesh jeffrey carter holly shelley richards helen stacy michael 
Barnes, Bobby, Dan, Samantha, Park, Charlene, O'Hara, David, Sturgis, Adrian, Nicholas, and Glenn. So they've gone all out and they're writing Glenn's name on this wall right now. No one yeah. seems to think he's alive. Well, yeah, I mean, it just it stands to reason. You know, he's out there, he's alone, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't signal, he didn't, he's, he's dead. Yeah. That's what they think. He, we yeah. have the benefit of uh, knowing that this is a television show and it has writers and producers and marketing people that want to boost ratings. And marketing people and writers and producers who have mishandled this whole Glenn thing momentously, in my opinion. But Well, they, we, you know, the jury's not back yet, you know? Give them a chance. They might. Uh, they might pull it off. We're uh, we're paying into this rather big. So, but if they pay off, if it pays off huge, it'll feel like we won the Glen Lottery. Well, it's true. I hope we do win the Glen Lottery. I want to win the Glen Millions. Um, but right so now, you're going to have a little bit of trust. A you're bit not. Of faith. You're right. You're right. I, I have. I have to sit tight and wait and let it all wash over me and and uh, yeah. I'll be bathed in Glen. Hopefully, when this is or, all done. You'll be proven correct, and we can uh, we can bring the hammer down. I call them all kinds of names. Yeah, I look forward to both scenarios for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, in uh, various alternate realities, both uh, become true. Yes. All right. Perfect. Well, maybe we'll have to do a podcast uh, that factors in both alternate realities. In in one in some reality, uh, Glenn's a pumpkin. Oh, good. Let's not do that one. Yeah, we'll just skip that universe. <laughs> Probably don't need to do that. Um, so Nick, uh, no, Aaron, he's walking around, he turns around and he follows Maggie who goes to the armory and Aaron realizes that she's going out and tells her that he can't let her do this alone and that if she's going to go over the wall, he knows a safer way out. So, you know, I'll help you with that is what he's basically saying. Yeah. And, uh, I've noticed that somebody's guarding the pantry, but nobody's guarding the armory. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, but see at this point, if people, people want food they, they think that food is more important right now. They can't, I mean, they're not going to run out of guns, but they might run out of food. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. It seems like tomato paste is more important than the assault rifles at this point. But I would think that, uh, yeah, I, I would, somebody should be there, in my opinion. No, you're right. Somebody should be. Someone should be guarding on the wall. Somebody should be guarding the armory, the food. Yeah, they're you all know, kind whatever. of wandering around going, I wonder what kind of soup I could make. I should go get uh, I should go get the stuff that I need out of the pantry so that I can make soup this afternoon because, uh, you know, I'm really stressed out about these uh, zombies 20 deep around the wall uh, and I need some comfort food. I'm going to make a chicken noodle soup. Yeah, I was thinking tomato. Tomato too. It would make me feel better either way, really. Yeah. So Deanna, we cut to her, she's looking at Reg's wedding ring, and then she takes out a map of the town and starts writing and drawing on it furiously. She's writing things like crops, mill, education, and training center, stuff like that. And I guess she's just mapping out kind of all the things that the town needs, like that's that's what I took away from this. She was writing down, um, like, trying to ease her mind or get back to, you know, planning the town and being the leader for the town, right? Yeah, because you need a you need a good spot to grow your alfalfa. Well, absolutely. Well, you do. You you need to grow crops. You need to have yeah. like schools and things. If you're going to have a little society here, you need all these sorts of things. But I think she was just trying to distract herself from the all the stuff that's going on around her by trying to focus on her job. But you know, I yeah. I don't know that it worked so well. Uh, and then she writes something on the map in Latin, maybe dolor. Hic tibi proderet olim. 
which I'm sure is just a brutal pronunciation of that. But uh, if you look that up, it is a quote from Ovid, a Roman poet who lived during the time of, Ag- of Augustus, according to Wikipedia. And it means, be patient and tough. Someday this pain will be useful to you. Oh. Right? So take your time. I know things suck right now, but you will draw strength from this, is what, uh, what it means. Good old... Poets from way back when that write in different languages. <laughs> they sure knew what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, then she hears glass breaking and she finds her son Spencer drunk in the kitchen. And it turns out Spencer's a bit of a hip- hypocrite because he ended up taking a bunch of food from the pantry for himself. And he says that, you know, I couldn't let all those people take the food, but if one person took some, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he's a uh, a consummate evil bastard. And why can't it be me? I deserve a reward for everything I did for this place. Yes. And they start talking, and it comes out that he basically blames his mom for everything. He yells, he just yells at her that everything that's happened is her fault. You know, uh, his brother dying, his dad dying, and I guess letting Rick and the gang in because... You know, now there's a bunch of zombies at the door, so he's really not so happy right now. But he is drunk, and you can't always trust what a drunk person says. Yeah, and he, he's kind of, he's stuck in the in the uh, Latin fallacy uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc, which is uh, after it, therefore because of it. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fallacy because just because something happens after something else doesn't mean that something else caused it. Yeah, you know, that's right. Um but sometimes it does. But I think you're right. In this case, you know, all of these things aren't necessarily Deanna's fault. Right. Like, statistically speaking, uh, people, more people uh, wearing blue pants die on Tuesdays than any other day of the week. That doesn't mean that blue pants is killing people. What if it was? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I just made that statistic up, so that'd be really weird. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get rid of all my blue pants. He just thinks that, uh, you know, because uh, it's, a, it's a shitty time... And uh, the shitty time started after Rick got there, that Rick is the cause of it. Right. Well, he's, he's a simple man, and he sees, he sees a correlation here that, that isn't necessarily there, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, Deanna, he, he leaves, I guess, and Deanna packs everything up to uh, take the food back. But we cut over to Ron. That's Jesse's son, and he's playing with a knife. Uh, Carl comes to ask where Enid is, and Carl says that he wants to go out and find her, but he's come to Ron for some help. And, you know, Ron, he, he's the smart one here. He, he refuses and, and says, that's a terrible idea going outside the walls at this point. And he says, he's going to go tell Rick if Carl goes. So he's a bit of a tattletale, but you know, I, I almost don't blame him. It's like, I'm going to let your dad know you're thinking of doing this because this is a terrible idea. Yeah. No, that that's uh, it's, it's a shitty thing to do to Carl, but it's the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. If my yeah. kids were going to do something totally stupid, I'd hope one of their friends came to me and said, um, they've got a terrible idea. You might want to know. Yeah. That, sorry, Chris. That'll never happen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. That my kids will do something stupid or that their, their friends will tell me? <laughs> That their friends will tell you. Aw, oh, damn it. <laughs> you can pretty much guarantee your kids are going to do something stupid, but uh, chances are their friends are going to be right there with them. Ah, oh, kids. We were kids once, and I did stupid shit all the time. Yeah, did anybody tell your parents about it? 
beforehand no. to try and yeah see no <laughs> it's the you know it's the it's a fact of life they'll get through it hopefully yeah and everything will be fine i i sure do hope so it was usually me telling my parents i mean i wasn't that kind of kid who i'd go out and do something bad and then come home feel guilty and tell them but uh i was in I, hanging out in a park one night when i was a teenager and some other kids came over and were um kind of harassing us like telling us we said bad things about them and and they wanted to fight and one of them pushed me down. They, you know what they did? Sorry, this is a this is a rat hole. <laughs> one of them actually kneeled behind me, and the other one pushed me over, oh, so I nice. fell over him. Yeah, they actually you did deserved that. it. No, I didn't deserve anything. Can, no, but if they can get away with doing something like that, oh, <laughs> that's okay, funny, maybe. Yeah, Sorry, it wasn't it's funny. Bullies. It wasn't yeah. funny at the time. I oh, was scared I shitless because I thought I was going to get beat up. And I basically hopped up and sprinted out of there. And one of them threw a beer bottle after me. Nice. And we were not, at least I, was nowhere near, you know, legal drinking age, but these guys, I guess, were or didn't care about that. And uh, I just ran the hell all the way home and then told my dad that these mean kids, you know, tried to beat me up. <laughs> right. Well, that's different, telling your parents about right. something that happened to you. Of course. It's way different than telling uh, your buddy's parents that he's about to do something that you consider stupid. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. I think so. Uh, but... Ron and Carl get into a shoving match over this, sort of a shoving match. They slap each other a little bit, and then Ron falls down. <laughs> right, it's a slap fight. That's fine. It was, I guess, yeah. And Carl leaves, and Ron just kind of lies there on the ground like he's dead, staring up at the sky, and we go to a commercial. He, well, maybe, maybe. I just thought he looked weird lying there on the ground. <laughs> maybe Carl killed him. Nah, no. <laughs> he shows up later. <laughs> but I think Ron's just like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> He's just defeated. Um, the other thing about this scene is I thought Carl felt way too confident in this scene. He's like, I mean, I know Carl is confident and he feels like he knows everything about everything. But just the way he walked up to Ron and was like, I'm going out there. I need your help. We got to find Enid. You know, I'll be fine. You just had to know how to handle things. I, I just want him to have a little bit more doubt sometimes, maybe. Ah. You don't think so? No, I, I don't think so. I think he's got a lot of confidence in being able to deal with uh, the outside world. And I think that uh, his age and hormone level probably gives him all kinds of confidence that uh, he can deal with whatever happens out there. But it's you... full, He's full of shit and it's not true. Okay. But I think that the, the confidence that he has uh, is justified. But see, this must be a, a teenager thing then, because you can't lose the fear, in my opinion. You've got to be afraid all the time, because afraid is what keeps you thinking straight, I think. Yeah, that's and, an adult point of view. That's not a teenager point of view. Right. Well, Carl has even no a fear. That's a 20-year-old point of view. Well, maybe you're right, but Carl has no fear, and he needs a little bit. Yes. You, uh, you learn that. And it, yeah, you learn that as you get older, to fear things like pain and death. All right. Well... I, I, I hope this doesn't come back to bite Carl in the ass, <laughs> not literally or anywhere for that matter. But, uh, you know, I, it, I, and I feel like it might because he's just a little too cocky right now. Yeah. Uh, but maybe we'll find out. We go over to Dr. Cloyd and she's treating a patient. It is Dr. Cloyd, right? It's Dr. something or other. Yeah. I, for some reason, I'm doubting myself right now. Anyway, she's treating See, a patient. you have doubt because you're an adult. That's right. <laughs> I know that I make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Uh, she's treating a patient, um, and she's just frustrated and doubting herself. Speaking of doubt, 
and she thinks she can't really do anything to help people. But then Tara comes in and convinces her to keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really, I think, all I can say about this scene. They have a, a conversation and Tara's like, you know what? You'll be fine. Do it. Keep reading your medical book. Everything will be A-OK. Yeah. That's like uh, when I picked up my wife at the train today. Uh, she had trouble putting uh, putting her seatbelt on. She said, I can't get my seatbelt on. I said, you can do it. I believe in you, honey. And well, eventually she did. She got her seatbelt on. Did she get it on before you got all the way home? Oh, yeah. Long before. I wouldn't have gotten on the road without the seatbelt on. That's smart. Securely. Yeah. That's very, very smart. But yeah, that's what you do. When somebody ha- has doubt, you tell them, you reassure them. I believe in you. You can do it. Everything is going to be fine. Good. Well, that's what Tara did here. We go to Jessie and she's walking past the house now. And she seems to see nothing in the window, but she approaches cautiously. <laughs> you know uh, that's the feeling i got she's like going up to this house cautiously because i didn't hear or see anything but she seems to have turns out there's a zombie inside uh which she kills by opening the door a crack and stabbing it through the eye and by this time a small group of alexandrians has gathered including dr cloyd who is now outside and uh jesse tells them that she sees the world for what it is now she says, this is what life looks like now. We have to fight it. If we f- don't fight, we die. So Jessie's really come around. Like, she's come around to the Rick uh, view of the world, right? Oh, yeah. That, she's totally on Team Rick. Yeah, as we'll find out. <laughs> um, we, we go over to Aaron and Maggie. They come to a sewer grate in the middle of a field. And he explains that this will take them under the wall and past the walkers. So it's a better way to get out of Alexandria instead of climbing over the wall and jumping into the walkers. Secret tunnel. Yeah. So they go down and they walk through the sewers. And Maggie's talking about why she wants to find Glenn. And, you know, that sort of should be obvious, but that's what she's talking about. And she says that uh, none of this is Aaron's fault. She's trying to reassure him, too. Um, now they get to a section of the sewer tunnel that apparently has a, a broken ladder, so they have to pull on it a couple times to clear it out of the way. Aaron falls down um, with a head wound. The mm-hmm. ladder hit him as he was falling, and then a super gross sewer zombie uh-huh. appears in the water, yeah. and then a second one comes, who's a little more mobile, comes at Maggie. Um, both of them are in trouble at this point, Aaron and Maggie, because he's down with a head wound, although he's not unconscious, and the the zombie on the ground is coming after him. Maggie's trying to push away the one in front of her, um, and they were both super, super gross, these zombies. They were super gross, and, like, did you see that uh, Maggie had her hand right in that zombie's chest? Like, she was trying to push his heart out of the way? Yeah. Like, push him by via the heart? It was super gross, but uh, yeah. also really amazing. I think this scene benefited, the, the effects in this scene benefited from the fact that it was kind of dark because they were in a sewer after all. Yeah. So these zombies didn't have to be really well lit, but God, there was virtually nothing to them. You're right. She was pushing her arm right through its rib cage, like almost pushing right out the back. Just so, so nasty. Yeah, it was um, really well done. And I, and I felt a little tension in this scene. I was like, oh my God, I they're in trouble. Like, what are they going to do? Uh, yeah. But Aaron, he manages to save them both. He he stabs the zombie that's on him in the head and then gets himself up and frees Maggie from the one that she's pushing her arms through. 
<laughs> but great job on this scene, I thought, from uh, an effects standpoint. Absolutely. Um, now, Maggie then wants him to go back to get his head treated, but he says no, of course, because uh, he's not just going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll see you later. And she insists that she could have done it. But I'll be honest, I'm not so sure. I think she needed Aaron there to save her from yeah, this Yeah, she was, uh, her bacon was cooked, and Aaron was there to pull her bacon out of the fire. <laughs> There's some bacon I wouldn't mind pulling out of the fire. <laughs> Bacon is good. It sure is. Um, we go back to the doctor, and she's reading her medical book, and suddenly she finds something in there that apparently will help her patient immediately. Yay, I found a whole <laughs> chapter on pus. I found a whole chapter on sucking pus out with a needle, and everything will be fine because he stable. It seems like he stabilized just instantly, right? Well, yeah, because uh, it was evil zombie pus. Well, and you don't want that in your leg. Yeah, it's not just, you know, some kind of infection that uh, is bad for you. It actually had intent. It was evil. It was uh, it oh. was mad at that guy. You do not want evil pus in you. Mad evil pus, yeah, for sure. You that... got to get that. You got to suck that out with a syringe right away. Uh, yeah, well, she did, and he seemed to just relax all of a sudden. Um yeah, so I mean, she feels good for her about herself all of a sudden, which is which is good. I don't want to see her in trouble. We need a doctor on the show, and she's all we've got we right do. now. Yes, uh, we see Rick. He's on the wall. He's trying to contact Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham on the walkie-talkie, but can't. Of course, Ron comes up and tells Rick about Enid and how Carl wanted to go out. Mm-hmm. So Carl may not even be going, but Ron is letting Rick know, anyways. Um, well, when it comes time to tattle, you got to tattle. You got to. That's what he's doing. I mean, he's he's thinking he's acting in everyone's best interest. And you could easily argue that he is. Like, going outside right now is a terrible idea. It is. Yet we've got so many characters who are wanting to do just that. And Yeah, and some people are in process. That's right. We're, we're working on it right now. They're on their way. Um, Ron also admits to Rick that uh, Rick was right about him not knowing how to protect himself. And he asks if Rick will teach him how to shoot. That's nice. So what does Rick do? He empties the bullets from his gun, hands it to Ron, and says, like, point at that target. I guess he's teaching him how to aim or just get the feel for the gun, probably. Mainly just to get the feel for the gun. But usually you start off with, uh, you know, this is is a a handgun. Here's the trigger. This is the hammer. This is what the hammer does. This is where the bullets go. You know, it comes off, you start off with a lesson on how the damn thing works first, not, uh, here you go, point it. Oh, and don't drop it because that'd be bad. Yeah. Don't point the business end at your face, things like that. Yes. You're right. But he, but I mean, I guess that's why he emptied the bullets. So the gun is useless without the bullets, but you can get a feel for it. You can point it. You can see how it feels when you aim, stuff like that. I don't know. I've never had any gun training, so I'm not sure how they do this in real life. They start off with describing the parts of a weapon. Okay. Learning how to put it together, how to clean it. <laughs> no, no, just this This is the trigger. When you pull the trigger, it uh, it releases the hammer, you know, if the hammer's back. If not, it actually cocks the hammer and then mm-hmm. releases it because it's a revolver. There's different kinds. There's semi-automatic. There's revolvers. There's, uh, uh, you know, break action shotguns. There's, there's You've all done kinds all this, right? Things. Yeah. You've done this? Yes. All right. So, yeah, you start off with that kind of thing before you ever get to uh, uh, pointing it at something. Maybe not in the zombie apocalypse, though. Maybe you have to skip all that just for time. Well, you know, knowing what a trigger is very important. 
knowing that's what true. the trigger does also very important. Knowing where the bullets go super important. Yeah, that's true. There's certain things you just can't skip, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, we go back to Tara. She's sitting on her porch, and Doctor Cloyd comes up and plants a big old smooch right on her lips. Well, that's nice. So. Isn't this, the doctor says that it's the end of the world, but Tara says, no, it's not. Nope. So that's exciting. Tara's found a new girlfriend, it looks like. I don't know. They just, you know, one kiss does not a girlfriend make. Well, maybe not. Uh, but I would imagine they're going to start some sort of yeah, well, uh, close yeah, relationship. It's going to start, but I don't think that they're girlfriends now. Okay, well, maybe I think maybe they just had, they had a kiss and there's probably some kind of interest there, which is good. But which is which is great. Down in the sewer, though, Maggie and Aaron, uh, who are not kissing, they come to a gate at the end of this sewer, and there's you can see lots of zombies outside, and Aaron seems to think they can make it through, but Maggie has changed her mind. She doesn't want to yeah. go anymore. And, you know, walkers start to crowd the gate, so they couldn't really get out anyways, and it would have been a bad idea to open that thing, it sounds like. And then, I think this is the big you know, reveal for this episode, she admits that she is indeed pregnant. Preggers. She is pregnant with Glenn's baby. So when the whole internet speculated a couple of weeks ago that maybe seeing parts of Glenn return to this show uh, in the form of his child, maybe that's what we could be getting here. Oh, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's, that's not going to be, that's that's a whole other person. That's not parts of Glenn. Well, it, it's, I mean, it's not physical. Well, I mean, if he was involved in the creation. parts of Glenn, that's stupid. Well, it could be. You never know. I'm saying, I'm saying, as you said earlier, we're going to find out. Maybe we win the Glenn lottery. Maybe we don't. Yeah. I um, sure hope that's not it. I hope that we see Glenn in the flashback. Uh, I hope that we see Glenn as a, a vision or, uh, you know, like we saw Lori. A couple of seasons ago, like she just kind of shows up in a hallucination of some kind. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. Maybe we're going to flash back to the scene where um, this baby is created and we really do see parts of Glenn. Oh, see, no, it's not that kind of show. <laughs> no, but there's some people out there that wouldn't mind that, I think. I think maybe you're one of them, Christopher. I like Glenn. I think he's a good looking <laughs> dude. <laughs> and I want to see parts of him making a baby with parts of her. Well, sure. You got to take the good with the bad, my friend. Yeah. Um, anyways, Maggie's pregnant. That's huge. Yes. That's huge. Um, this show seems to love pregnancy and babies. We already have Judith, and now we have Maggie getting pregnant. So that's mm. exciting. Um, uh, we cut over to Jesse, and she is trying to lure her younger son, Sam, down the stairs with cookies. But apparently he won't come downstairs anymore at all, because I guess he's afraid after the wolf attack. And uh, after chatting with him for a minute, she goes up and leaves the cookies outside his door. Yeah. Cookies aren't going to do it. No, unless they were made by Carol. I bet he'd come down for Carol's cookies. I don't know. I think it'd be more likely that he'd come down for an Xbox One. Harder to come by in the zombie apocalypse, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe. You know, seeing as though it, it actually takes place, uh, I think, a year after the, the show started kind of thing. So this is... A few years ago, so Xbox One uh, hasn't been released. But uh, you know, I I would I would definitely go downstairs for an Xbox One. You know, I'm starting to think, games. starting to think that myself. I might get one. Might so have to. The ask. cookies aren't going to do it. 
Might ask, have to ask Santa for an Xbox One this year. But no, cookies are not going to do it. Um, but I do think they just need Carol. They need Carol there. And Carol is a little more threatening, and her cookies are better. And maybe Sam would come down for that. <laughs> yeah, as long as she doesn't bring flowers, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Um, so it's now nighttime, and Deanna is walking with the basket of food that she's going to return to the pantry that Spencer stole. And a zombie attacks her. Stealth zombie out of nowhere attacks her. Hey, got through the wall. No, he didn't get through the wall. He. Oh, right. That's right. He's he's there apparently because uh, um, Carol killed one, couldn't find the body, and he was kind of hiding inside Alexandria, so they never found him. But she starts stabbing him with a broken bottle in the chest over and over again, and things are not looking so good for her because she's not getting his brain. But Rick runs up and rescues her, and as I said, it turns out it's a leftover wolf. Yeah. So lucky for her, Rick came running. Otherwise, she'd still be there stabbing the zombie in the chest. It's, it's weird that our brains aren't in our chest anyway. Well, not really. I mean, you're you're thinking that because it's protected by the rib cage, right? Yeah. Instead, it's protected by the skull, which is the hardest bones in your body. Yeah, but it's all exposed up there on your dangly neck and things, and it just seems a little. <laughs> it's true. The, weird. The neck is so dangly and 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 rubbery and just useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, and that's easy the to weak chop point. off. It's hard to chop off your chest, right? That's true. You know, how would they, uh, how would you, you'd have to shoot some, you, you shoot people in the chest for executions and that kind of thing. But, uh, anyway, I just think it's weird that our, our brains aren't in our, in our chest. I, you know, if I was to design the human being, basically we would be a, a gelatinous sphere, uh, you know, layers of muscle and bone, uh, with our brains in the center. You ever seen, uh, um, oh my God, it's a kid's movie. It's monsters versus aliens. You ever seen that movie? No. Well, Seth Rogen plays uh, a gelatinous blob alien. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I know the movie. He's really funny. He says um, something like, always wondered if you could get by without a brain, and it turns out you don't need one. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> see, there you go. Or that, see, that's an even better idea. Why have a central uh, nervous system? Why not have a distributed nervous system? Right. You know, just spread the brain out throughout your body. That way, you, you know, you lop off a hand. And uh, you throw the rest of the body into a fire. The hand just goes, shit, that was weird. And regrow another body. <laughs> That'd be great, man. Be great. See, there you go. All right. Well, Like starfish. Um, yeah, they lose an arm and they regrow it. Actually, you cut them in half, they grow two. There's two starfish. Oh, my God. That's weird. So weird. It really is. The universe or the world is a weird place. Um, so after Rick saves De- Deanna here, eh, she tells him... That she wants to live and she wants to see Alexandria, you know, remain standing. So she's kind of regaining her composure a little bit, you know, after what's been going on. And Rick says that if she wants to do that, she needs to lead the people, but she disagrees. She says they need Rick. Yeah. So it's kind of a contradiction here. On one hand, she wants to live and she wants Alexandria to stay standing, but she doesn't want to be the one to do it. She needs. She, she thinks they need a new leader now, and that's Rick. So maybe well, she'll be backup leader, vice president. No, it's not president. backup leader. It's uh, you know, in time of war, the uh, the Romans used to do that. Used to in the time of war, they would uh, suspend democracy and uh, pick a leader that would lead the uh, lead the empire until the war was over. The only problem is the last person to actually do that was Julius Caesar, and he didn't give the power back. 
Right, but this calls back to that quote she wrote on the map. That guy was a Roman poet. So this kind of theme is running throughout this episode, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're in, we're in a war here. I am a, uh, I'm a peacetime leader. You're a wartime leader. You take over. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the point is, she doesn't want to see Alexandria fall, which, of course, you know, if, if it did, she'd have nowhere to live. So that makes a lot of sense. But she's seeing things clearly, I think, is what you're saying. Yes. For what they are. Um, but she does question herself. She, you know, she, she wonders if what, you know, the vision she had for this place was realistic. She calls it pie in the sky. So, um, but, but you're right. I guess she just sort of knows what they need right now, which is good. Where does that come from? Pie in the sky? I don't know. That's kind of a weird phrase. Is that like a reference to the moon as if it was made of pie? Eh, maybe cheese in the sky if it was the moon. I don't know. Well, I don't know about the cheese thing, but it looks like a pie, right? It, I, it could, I suppose. You know, you know, what if that thing in the sky was a, you know, uh, a, a giant apple pie? That would be delightful. Pie in the sky. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Look that up. We can probably do that sometime. Sure. Okay, so we have uh, Maggie and Aaron again. And they've, they're back now, so they've come back out of the sewer. I guess it was uneventful on the way back. And they're up on top of the wall, keeping watch. And uh, she says she's got to go do something. She leaves, and she goes down to remove Glenn's name from the list of dead people on the wall. Uh, because I guess she's decided that, you know what, there's no reason that I should believe he's dead, and I'm going to believe that he's alive, and maybe that means it'll be true, and he'll come back. There you go. Now, what did they write their names on the wall with? Because they just sprayed water on it and started erasing the names. Yeah, it was paint. When we saw people earlier in the episode writing the names, it was black paint. So it was water-soluble paint, maybe, and they just cleaned it off. Which is dumb, because, you know, it's going to rain at some point, right? Yeah, I know. You need oil-based paint for that kind of thing, right? Well, no, water-based paint is fine. It's just what the uh, the base material is. Once it dries, it's, uh, it's not water-soluble anymore. Uh, but... The fact that they painted it in, it was water-soluble paint because they sprayed water on it and it was rubbing off. So it was kind of weird. I don't know. I guess it's all they had. Um, Aaron comes down to help her do this and then he kind of makes a joke and he suggests that when Glenn does come back, he says the name Aaron works for a boy or a girl. Yeah, (laughs) and it does depending on how you spell it. That's true. I thought this was a little bit odd. Like, Maggie seems to be comfort, comforted by this because she cracks a bit of a smile here. But I'm like, dude, like, she just went through this really traumatic thing. She's probably lost her husband. She's pregnant. You know, she's pretty emotional. And you're making jokes about naming the baby after you? <laughs> oh, he's trying to lighten the mood. It's fine. I think it's inappropriate. I mean, make a joke. That's fine. But don't be like... Come on, my name's nice. Use my name for your baby. Well, you got to read your audience, right? Like he did it correctly because he read his audience. He knew uh, what he was doing. He uh, made the joke. She smiled. The joke landed. Everything's fine. It's not inappropriate if uh, if the joke lands. Yeah, but I think it's a risky joke. I think it's well, risky to make this joke at this moment. For me and for you, yeah. But uh, you know, Aaron and Maggie, they're they're uh, they're getting along pretty good. He knows what uh, what jokes will land and what what won't. Maybe they're getting along a little too well. Why? I don't know. I feel like maybe he's moving in a bit, and I'd say that's a little too soon. Nah, he's gay. Oh, there's that. True. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe that's why she's not threatened by him. I don't know. Um, 
we go to uh, Spencer. It's the middle of the night. He comes up to relieve Rosita, who's on wall duty. And uh, she says he did a good job with the truck by taking out the driver. But he insists that it was just luck. So I guess she can read that he's feeling a little down on himself. Yeah. And uh, she's trying to cheer him up. But she goes... And then what does he do? He pulls a stash of crackers out of his jacket and keeps on eating. Yay! <laughs> so Stolen crackers are the best. He's still stealing food, which is not cool. Not cool at all, Spencer. Yeah. Um, now Rick, he comes to Jesse, who's in her garage, I guess, and he says that he kind of admits to her that it's taking too long for the others to come back and to get rid of the zombies at the wall. So Rick's kind of starting to doubt things because they've been hanging around for a couple days now and nobody's come back and the zombies are still there. So he's a little bit worried, I think. And he uses the, this is what life looks like now that Jesse used earlier. So she says, you heard about that, eh? And Rick is sort of, I think, happy that she's on his side, but also, you know, maybe a little concerned that this is in fact what life looks like now. Yeah. Um, she clarifies for him, though, that she didn't mean there was no future, just that uh, she thinks, you know, there has to be a future for them here, but this is what life, and she's trying to be realistic. And uh, she asks Rick to tell her that she's right, and he does so by kissing her right there in the garage. Yay, love interest. Kissing her right in the garage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. I'm glad you repeated that, because I wouldn't have got that. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so two, two big kisses in this episode. We got Tara and the doctor and we got Rick and Jesse yeah. now. Um, so we're pretty much at the end here. Uh, but the last scene is Deanna going to the gate, the inside of the gate. And you can see all the zombies sort of silhouetted through it. And she walks up, she slams her hand on it a couple of times. And then she walks along the wall and the camera's following her. And then she walks off screen and we see some blood oozing through a crack in the fence or in the wall. Mm. Um, and that's it. Cut to black. The episode is over. So what do you think that was all about? That final scene with the blood oozing through? Oh, is there's it, a crack in the wall. It's going to fail. Yeah, that's it. It's just the walls weakening at that point and And we're supposed to be worried about that? All right. Yeah, so something's getting through the wall now. It'll grow, and something more will get through the wall later. Yeah, a lot of something more, I would think. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That is this episode. So let's talk about Rick and Jesse a little bit. Is it too soon? Like, I mean, Rick just killed— For who? Well, for them to be hooking up. Like, didn't Rick just kill Pete, like, less than a week ago? Yeah, that's how it works. You want something—you want a woman, you uh, take out her husband. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure that's how it works, Jason. <laughs> no, their relationship, her, her relationship with her husband was over a long time ago. Rick is uh, her savior. I don't, I don't think it's too soon for him. I don't think it's too soon for her. You have to, uh, you have to take what you can get in the zombie apocalypse. That things move fast. Yeah, because there ain't no time. They sure do. But I, I don't know. The whole thing just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, you know, Rick just killed that guy. I know she, he was, a he was a dick and, and Jesse wasn't happy with him anyways, but I don't know. I think Rick just moved in a little fast and, and is he just trying to make himself feel better because 
you know, he brought the zombies to the wall and all these people are dead and his friends are missing. Like, he's is this his way of taking his mind off things? I don't know. Oh, probably. There's a lot of that too. You know, when in stressful situations, you uh, need to take your mind off of things any way you can. So I'm sure there's uh, there's some of that on both sides. Deanna goes back to work, like planning the town, even if yeah. it's frantically. Um, See, Rick, that'd be a little soon for her if, uh, you know, if she started hooking up with Abraham or something, <laughs> even though he's not there. But, you know, if she's just started hooking up with somebody else at uh, Alexandria, it'd be too soon for her because, you know, her husband just died, but that was a good, solid relationship. Whereas Jesse's uh, relationship with her husband was on the rocks and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she kind of wanted to get rid of him anyway. Okay. Well, maybe. I don't know. It, it, I think it felt a little awkward, but... Uh, I, I, I mean, in the real world, it, it would be a little awkward. Like, if I killed your wife and then came over to your house and started making out with you, <laughs> that'd be, like, way too soon, right? Yeah, thanks. So, but in the zombie apocalypse, uh, things happen fast, and, uh, you know, this you have to take what you can get. <laughs> All right. Uh, weird, weird analogy there, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, what about Maggie? So she's officially pregnant. That's exciting. Yep. Um, the thing about this was, so we've seen, we've now seen this sewer scene that we saw part of in the trailer, uh, from Comic-Con. I was a little disappointed. I must admit that Maggie didn't actually get out and we were going to see her on the road, like on the hunt for Glenn for a while. No, nah, that's crazy. No, I wanted I wanted more to this. Like this, I didn't mind her storyline this episode, and I thought it was okay. But I wanted them to actually go out and like be hunting. Like I wanted to see them out there doing stuff. I feel like it would have been more interesting and more exciting than just one episode arc of them, you know, going through a sewer, killing some really disgusting, rotting zombies, and then turning around and coming back. I wanted more to it. That's all I'm saying. Huh. Huh. I was happy with what what we got. That sewer zombie uh, situation was uh, was a lot of fun. No, it, it was fun. But I think if they'd gotten through that, gotten to the end, and then were out, I just think it would have been would have been better. I mean, who knows how this is all going to wrap up with Glenn? Um, but I think there could have been an interesting story to tell with Maggie out on the road hunting for him or searching for him. Maybe it doesn't make sense because what are the chances she actually finds him? I don't know. Um, but it feels like they just kind of wrap this up really quick, but at least we did get some Maggie, some Lauren Cohan. I, I also feel like she hasn't been doing much on the show lately, so it was yeah. nice to see her with, uh, with a bit of plot here. Um, and then, uh, I think we've already sort of mentioned it, but Deanna was obviously having a hard time, but she's regained her composure somewhat at the end, at the end of the episode. And I'm glad to see that too. Yeah, that, that is good. That was good. So... Just in general, this episode, we've had, this is number five, right? As we went over. We <laughs> Are you had, sure? Yeah. No, I don't know. We had three that were really fast paced and just really, you know, all out action at times. Then we had the Morgan episode that had nothing to do with anything. Yep. Well, I shouldn't say that. It, Morgan had to is- to do with Morgan. Yeah. He's an important character and, you know, his- his outlook on things is going to come into play in this storyline, I'm sure. But, you know, the the backstory itself was just that, a backstory. And yeah. now we get this episode, which is a rather slow-moving, talky episode in the town when there's clearly a lot of danger all around them, but they're not really dealing with it other than seeing how sort of the characters are emotionally coping with things. Yeah. Um. I personally think 
I would have enjoyed this episode instead of the Morgan episode last week. I don't mind the fact that it was slow. A lot of people are having trouble with that. Um, I don't mind the fact that we get this kind of episode once in a while, but I still think that Morgan episode was positioned wrong and they should have put this one first and moved Morgan later on. I thought this episode was a snore fest, boring, and I did not like it. Wow, really? It was a waste of time, in my opinion. I don't think it was an entirely waste well, of time. Well, some things needed to, to be moved forward, but uh, I think they could have condensed this down into about 10 minutes of a different episode. You need, see, for me, you need this kind of thing once in a while, but they tried to do this with the Morgan episode. They tried to, like, you need a break from things occasionally, and you need to develop characters a little bit, but I feel like they tried to give us a break with Morgan and then come back to the main plot line. And they should have come back to, with something, I agree, a little more exciting, a little bit more in, um, a little bit more similar to the way the first three episodes were paced, you know, quick yeah. moving and going along. Um, instead, they do slow Morgan episode, which was fine um, for what it was. And then they do a slow main plot line episode and they've kind of ground things to a halt here. I expect it to pick up again next week, but... I hope so. I know, think the biggest problem I had with this episode was that last week was a 90-minute Morgan backstory, and in this episode, where the hell was Lenny James? Like, seriously, you just gave us a whole backstory for this character, and then you'd completely ignore him for a whole episode. Like, what the hell? They have Glenn in a huge herd of zombies getting ripped apart, and now they've ignored him for two straight episodes. But they didn't focus an entire episode on him and then just completely ignore him afterwards. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like we just we just invested a 90-minute episode in uh, in getting Morgan's backstory and about what's going on between him uh, and, you know, really what's going on between him and that uh, uh, that that guy that he's got in behind bars there and we got nothing. The alpha like, wolf. Yeah. The alpha wolf was even, was Lenny James even, did he even appear in this episode? He did. There was a couple of scenes with him. He was in the big crowd right at the beginning when Rick was talking to them. And I, I think he was in the background of one or two other scenes, but he didn't did he say anything. I, I don't think he said anything. He did not have a line. No. <laughs> oh man. You see that, that I think that's the biggest problem I had with this episode. And there was a lot of other stuff just like, come on. Like just, like the whole thing about the everybody going into the pantry and and such, and then the, the big speech about the pantry, and then uh, Jesse poking that girl, uh, the lady in the eye, killing her for some reason. Uh, like that, she just stabbed her, stabbed the lady, this lady zombie, just you know, barely an inch into the eye, and uh, she went down. Okay, it was just I thought the episode was boring and kind of pointless. It it was it was a little weak. I I must admit. Um, the problem is there was too much stuff like that. There was there was Jesse trying to convince Sam to come down with the cookies. Like, I thought that was totally a wasted scene, or useless, really. Like, what was the point? Um, there was no Carol. There was no Morgan, as you said. Um, I'm kind of okay with no Carol, because maybe she's off doing something else. But you're right. To show all that Morgan stuff and then come back and have him not in it seems a little weird. It seems like they're setting a whole bunch of things up just to pay them off later. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to tell, a, you know, a consistent storyline and, and tell it as it as it unfolds, sort of. Um, the only part that the only necessary things in this episode, I think, were uh, Rick and Jesse's kiss and uh, the doctor and Tara's kiss and uh, Maggie and Aaron's conversation. 
and the, and their uh, and, and the sewer zombies were pretty cool. Everything else could have been scrapped. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the food stuff, the the um, yeah. You're, you well, I, I don't want to say everything <laughs> could be scrapped. I think Deanna's arc is important. Um, just to see what okay. she's doing. I'll, I'll concede you know? that point. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So far, we've got about 10, 15 minutes worth of uh, episode. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. It's. It, I think they were trying to give us an idea of the feeling amongst the residents of Alexandria right now, because you know this is going to pay off in some other way in a future episode. Um, just like the Glenn stuff will and the Morgan stuff will and whatever else. But it yeah. didn't seem like they really, as you said, needed to draw it out this long. We could have got an idea of how people are feeling pretty much from that opening scene where, where Rick is just standing around talking to them. Like, it's obvious people are upset and they're worried and, and don't know what to do, right? Yeah. So, anyhow, um, we'll see where things play out. We've got uh, three more. Three more episodes until the break, anyways. Six, seven, eight, yep. Good. (laughs) At least I got that right. (laughs) All right, we will be back in a moment with Holy Crap, Did You See That? We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. support the talking dead podcast one of the best ways to do that is to visit us on amazon or use our amazon links when you do all of your shopping go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash amazon and click on the country store of your choice we've got amazon links for the united states canada the uk uh france germany spain so you know wherever you are hopefully you can choose one that works best for you And uh, when you do all your shopping there, a small, tiny cut comes back to us. Just help us put on the uh, podcast, paying for all the things we need to pay for to make this happen. So we really, really appreciate everyone who uh, helps out in that way. And uh, we don't know, we of course don't have any idea what you buy, so you don't have to worry about that. It's all private and uh, everything is great. You can also visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead to make a very small monthly pledge. And again, the money just comes and uh, helps us defray the cost of putting on the show. So you can pledge any amount you want from $1 to, you know, 5 10 or even more if you feel like it. And the more you give, there are some reward levels that you can take part in, which are pretty cool. So check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. And use our Amazon links when you are shopping at Amazon, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Most of my friends Gone the fuck out In the end All the year It's just me and you It didn't Strange 
Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? This is the segment of the show where we read your emails and play your calls of just little bits you want to call out from the episode that kind of made you stand up and say, holy crap, did you see that? And I'm kind of outlining outlining that because I think we've had a lot of new listeners join us lately, which is fantastic. And, you know, I've been getting emails from a lot of people saying, hey, you know, I just discovered you guys or I started listening at season six or something like that. So just in case you're wondering what this is all about, it's just kind of a way to point out little things that are in the episode that you thought were awesome or exciting or whatever, or, or something that you might think other people didn't notice. So it's just a fun way to sort of start some conversations about stuff. So uh, let's get it going, Jason. All right. So first we have a call from Matt in Delaware, USA. Hey, guys. This is Matt in Delaware. Uh, I love the podcast. I just wanted to share my holy crap moment for tonight's episode. Uh, Holy crap. Did you guys see that sewer pipe that uh, Aaron and Maggie were in? Um, (laughs) I just started a stormwater management job and... The size of that pipe is absolutely ridiculous. That's like a six-foot pipe, probably closer to eight feet. There just isn't something that long. It's kind of like the air ducts in Die Hard. They just wouldn't be that big. Uh, I'm sorry. They would probably be like three feet at most, and then that would get pretty disgusting. So, yeah, I think this was just a, uh, a creative decision. To make it a little bit easier for them to get around, but I couldn't. I couldn't take it seriously because that's just way too convenient for there to be a you know walkable path for those guys to uh, to get out of Alexandria. Just so happens to have like a two foot square grate in the middle of nowhere that leads to a eight foot, ten foot diameter corrugated metal pipe. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, <laughs> want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I thought it was a little hokey. And the whole scene kind of seemed like it was pretty meaningless, except to say that Maggie's pregnant. And honestly, the whole time, I thought Glenn was going to smack up against that grate, that door, uh, the bars there, as a zombie. That would have just taken it full circle. So anyway, love the podcast. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Um, So it's funny because pointing out the fact that the grate was, or sorry, the tunnel was massive, sewer was massive is a great point because you know sewers like that are mm-hmm. probably pretty hard to come by yet at the time when i'm watching it i didn't think anything was wrong <laughs> well no because you yeah there's uh willful suspension of disbelief i mean i noticed that the uh that the sewer they were walking through did have backlighting as well well like the the lighting there you know off the this to the side you could see uh you could see what was going on so you just you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, it looked a little huge, but you don't want them crawling around, uh, you know, like uh, John McClane in uh, Die Hard. You know, just I imagine that uh, the air ducts that were way too huge uh, would be the perfect size for uh, sewer pipes. So just imagine John McClane crawling through sewer pipes instead of air ducts. Yeah, well, air ducts aren't that big. You can't really crawl through them that, that I know of. And they're also... Air ducts in movies, if you've ever noticed, are always like immaculately clean. (laughs) There's no dust in there. There's no, you know, grime or anything. Um, Anyways, yeah, I mean, I I think it wouldn't have been so bad to see these characters 
crawling, like squishing through like a smaller uh, sewer of some kind. No, if you're going to walk through a sewer, it's got to be big enough that you can walk two people abreast and they can have a comfortable conversation. Well, in this case, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, you, you know what? Movies have tra- have trained me or they've desensitized me to sewers. I, In my brain, I think all sewers are that big because it seems like they always are. Yeah, well... Uh... Could be. I mean, we had, I had uh, sewer issues or pipe issues that uh, we had a, a, a team come with a snake with a camera on the end to go all the way to the sewer main line. And the, uh, the sewer main line is, uh, is about three feet, three foot diameter. So hmm. he's, uh, he's absolutely right. That's, that's what runs through uh, under my street through my neighborhood. Okay, well... I'm I, not going in there. I can tell you right now, I don't care if it is a zombie apocalypse, I am not going into that sewer. Well, every time I've gone in the sewer outside my house, it's a little bigger. Yeah, well, you live downtown. <laughs> that's that's what it is. <laughs> they got bigger ones down there. Yeah. Okay, uh, next is Frank on the internet, and Frank writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment? Was when The Walking Dead got moved over to the Lifetime channel. Just a bunch of boring characters debating flaccidly while an army of over 1,000 walkers slowly funnels its way towards them. And no closure for Glenn's fate. Oh. That's harsh, man. Lifetime channel. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe not entirely inaccurate. Yeah, maybe not. All right, next we have an email. Uh, Sharni on the internet. Holy crap, Tara has learned to love again. Good for her. Well, at least she learned to kiss again. To kiss again. I, I don't know if she ever forgot how to do that, but it is nice to see characters finding companionship in the zombie apocalypse. Well, you got to keep practicing. Yes, you do. How are you going to get better if you don't keep practicing? Yeah. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see Rick finally getting some stank on his low hang? Go, Rick. <laughs> There is a time and a place for everything, and I guess this time and place is with walkers at the gate. I'm not sure I know exactly what that means, but I'm going to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good for you. (laughs) All right, so next we have Sally on the internet. Holy crap, did you see that Diana is looking more like a walker than the walkers? Not sure if it's Nicotero's makeup or just 100% Tova, but lordy, she looks rough. You know, to be fair, she was splattered with blood after her little chest stabbing scene there. And talking to Rick, she just stood there with blood all over her. So you're going to look rough in a scene like that. Yeah, that's true. Right? Last time I was splattered with blood, I caught myself a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I didn't look good. So, you know, don't hold (laughs) it against her. (laughs) All right. Next, we've got Chris in Sin City. Holy crap, did you see Deanna try to bludgeon that walker to death? She still doesn't know how to kill them, but at least she's trying. She gets an E for effort. Yay. <laughs> she was very stabby, and she was very aggressive. And in the normal world, if someone had attacked her and she had a broken bottle, that would have worked rather well. That's a that's a really good point, actually. At- attacking a living human like that, you'd take them down in a second. It's just it happens to be a zombie who needs a little more head uh, head head time head treatment head, head, head attention <laughs> yeah head attention which she just wasn't giving this one so yeah you know not the greatest next time she's learning she's learning e for effort e for effort all right we have ganon uh, from the cold and barren state of north dakota sounds dakota sounds terrible there it does sound a little unless terribly. you like cold and barren i mean some people might some people do i like the cold i'm not so sure about barren mm-hmm 
All right. Holy crap. Did you see Carl and Ron's girly slap fight? I thought Carl was tougher than that and has seen Rick fight enough not to look like a complete ninny. Yeah. You don't want to look like a ninny. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I like the phrase ninny or the word ninny. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a good one, but you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes if you got to get into a slap fight, you get into a slap fight. You don't care if you look like a ninny. It's all a matter of uh, coming out on top. Well, if someone comes at you, you know, slapping, you you're, you want to slap back. Yeah. Well, you fight slap with slap. That's right. You don't bring a gun to a slap fight. That's just not what you do. <laughs> you bring your slap. <laughs> there you go. Uh, your your low hang. Maybe you bring your low hang. I don't know. Your hang low. It Sorry. depends on the, what kind of slap fight you're going to. <laughs> your hang low. All right. Uh, thank you. Next up is... Uh, James in Pittsburgh, PA. Holy crap, trust no one. Rick taking the bullets out of his revolver before handing it to Ron showed he is not as foolish as some may think. Prior to the handoff, I was expecting Ron, Ron to try to exact revenge for Rick's earlier actions. Yeah. How old is Ron, do you think? Well, he's a young teenager. He's roughly Carl's age. And, I mean, Carl started like eight years old and now he's 26, but I don't think Ron yeah. is quite that old. I'd unload my revolver before handing it to a young teenager. Yeah, I think that's a very good idea. Um, but can you imagine if, if you know, Ron did have malicious intentions and he took the gun and turned it around and pointed it at Rick? That'd be crazy. That's like two and a half pounds of solid steel. You just whack somebody with it, they're going down. Yeah, I guess. Rick would have been able to handle it too. I mean, it's not like it's the first time he's had a gun pointed at him. No, that's true. So he would have been fine. Don't worry about him. All right, next we have Danny in Medford, Massachusetts. Holy crap, did you hear all that god-awful writing? I don't think there was a single scene that didn't have some painfully melodramatic cliche. The writers cranked the dialogue cheese factor up to 11 for this entire episode. And here's an example. Rick, the wall's going to hold together. Can you? Spencer, and we'll all look back at this moment right now as when we destroyed this place. So two examples, yeah, um... Rick's line about the wall holding together and we have to as well, a little bit cheesy. I'll concede that. Yeah. This wall is going to stand. Can you? Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, it was a little bit off. Um, the whole thing didn't bother me as much as, as Danny maybe, but um, it was a bit cliche at times. Although there was stuff a couple episodes ago with Michonne, remember, that I thought was way more cliche than anything in this this episode. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got Angie in Birmingham. Holy crap, did I love that episode. Another character-driven episode that some are calling slow, but so well-written and well-acted. So we've got both ends of the spectrum here, You Jason. sure do. <laughs> One after another. Um, so who knows? I guess it just comes down to personal preference at some point for some of this kind of thing. Absolutely. All right, next we have Tej from Wisconsin. Holy crap, did you see that teeny tiny blade Jesse poked into the into the walker Betsy's eye? There's no way that knife reached the brain at all, let alone destroyed it. This means we've been trying way too hard for the past five years, and the real weakness is just the eyes. Just poke poke a zombie in the eye and he'll go poke down. Him in the eye. Yeah. You know? I know if I get poked in the eye, I go down crying yeah, like I'm a little going, girl. I'm going down hard. <laughs> it's really hard, yeah. With my no. hand over my eye yelling, owie, 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 owie. No one likes getting poked in the eye, that's for yeah. sure. Um, but that was Betsy. So that was, um, what's his name's uh, wife who didn't survive the trip, the zombie parade? I guess not. I didn't realize that was Betsy. All right. Oh. Thank you, Teej, for pointing Thanks, that out. Thanks, uh, Next, we've got friend of the show, Adam. 
And he says, holy crap, did you see that totally thoughtful yet suicidal neighbor? She did the decent thing and shut herself in the house before offing herself. Just put it in your brain. If you're going to kill yourself, don't put anybody else in danger. Go to the armory. It's completely unprotected. There's weapons. There's ammo. Uh, I'm sure you can figure out enough to put a something in your mouth and pull the trigger. Yeah, it does seem crazy that someone would Split your wrist. kill themselves without you know, destroying their brain. Uh, but I mean, these, some of these Alexandrians are so naive even now. And I think that was part of the point of this episode, right? They're just trying to show that these people are totally ill prepared for anything that's coming their way. Yeah. Or at least put a sign on the door saying I killed myself possible zombie. (laughs) You might want to deal with that. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I think so. All right, next we have Austin in Tennessee. Holy crap, did you see Deanna, the blood-covered walker murderer? Well, almost a murderer. It's crazy to think the leader of this community doesn't know how to aim for the head. Yeah, Rick is a much better leader. Yep, I think uh, we've discussed that and we pretty much agree. Charles in SF. My, oh my God, did you see that moment? Jesse finds the walker of the neighbor who commits suicide. She handles it like a pro. Then she turns her back on an open door and delivers a small speech to the people in the street. Holy crap, I was creeping so hard because that's exactly when a walker in the house would attack. By creeping, I mean like the should I stick my hand in the bowl of spaghetti at Halloween kind of way. I feel like there are basic rules to the zombie world, and the first is always look out behind closed doors. Then... Take a second to look behind the doors. Yes. So we know zombies can be sneaky bastards. Sneaky, stealthy bastards. And just because you killed one, don't assume that that's the only one. But Jesse just stands there delivering a monologue. Well, who knows what's in the house behind her? Yeah. All right, we have uh, Donnie from Suffolk, Virginia. Holy crap, was it me or was there an assload of Alexandrians out in the street when Rick made made it back inside the walls? Where the hell were all these uh, were all these pansies while Rosita, Aaron, Carol, Carl, and Morgan were exterminating the infidels, known as the wolves, from inside the walls of Alexandria? From scanning the crowd, they had a small freaking army that, if trained, could have repelled the 10 or 12 wolves who only had knives and axes easily. It did seem like there was a lot of people standing around there that, you know, if you put them up against a smaller group, especially since they have guns, the wolves wouldn't have stood a chance. But like I said, these people are totally ill-prepared. So most of those people were probably cowering in their houses. The guns are all stored in an armory, so nobody's ready with them. And, uh, you know, they're just just not ready for what's coming at them. So sure, they're they're all noobs. They're all noobs. There may be a lot of them, but they just don't know what they're doing. That's the problem, and that's that's basically what Rick is trying to fix here, even though it seems to be, you know, not always going so well for him. All right, two more. James in Ireland writes, My holy crap moment was when Rick was telling everybody that they should be quiet and turn off the lights at night and have Alexandria be as quiet as a graveyard, all this while shouting to the group of Alexandria <laughs> people at the wall with a thousand walkers on the other side. Oh, then he lets Aaron tell his little story too. Geez, isn't there a place to go inside and talk this through? <laughs> oh, and my other holy crap moment is when Spencer, Deanna's son, was shouting at his mother. Not cool, man. Shouldn't shout at your mother. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't shout at your mom. Don't shout at your mom, and especially don't shout at your mom when everyone's supposed to be quiet. Yeah, if you if yeah if you're supposed to be quiet, be quiet. Damn it, it's not that hard, really. But he was for drunk. Some people, it really is. And he was drunk, so 
all yeah. bets are off. That's true. All right. Lastly, we have Gem- Gemma in Bryn Mawr, Bryn Mawr, Wales. I'd say Bryn, Bryn Mawr, probably. Bryn Mawr? Yeah. But there's a W in there. Yeah, it's yeah, Wales. Yeah. So maybe they don't pronounce the W. Maybe probably. they pronounce it as a B or something. <laughs> Bryn Mawr. <laughs> Yeah, win robber. <laughs> uh, sorry, Gemma. Sorry, Gemma. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, oh, that was a wolf Carol thinks she killed and somehow crawled off into the bush and she couldn't find him? What the fuck? Carol executed everyone very efficiently, so I'm sure she remembered where the bodies fell and checked afterwards. I absolutely love this show, as you both know, but silly things like that annoy me. Yeah, I mean, Carol's a pretty efficient killer, and she knows what she's doing, and she's not going to let, you know, somebody just crawl off like that. Maybe that's why she wasn't in this episode, because she was hiding from the one walker that got away. She was making soup. She also raided the pantry and uh, wanted to make tomato soup as a comfort food, because she deserves it. She, you know, she went around and killed pretty much all everybody during that invasion. So she's like, well, I can't remember where everybody is <laughs> so i'm gonna make a soup and maybe that'll help jog my memory uh, yeah he'll turn up i'm going to make soup yeah he sure did turn up all right yeah. but seriously if if one person is not going to leave any you know leave a loose end like that it's carol yeah and i think it was just convenient for them to blame carol this time because she wasn't Always there. blame somebody who's not there yeah exactly. that's that's right All right. Thank you to everyone who wrote in with your holy crap moments. Uh, Keep sending your feedback in for this episode because, of course, we will be doing our feedback show on Wednesday in a couple of nights. So uh, we'll get as much of that on the air as we can. And uh, that is going to do it for this podcast, number 238. Um, Please use our Amazon links, as we talked about before, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. And if you're a fan of Evil Dead, remember that I am on a new podcast with Jason uh, from um, uh, the Walking Dead cast over on his network, Podcastica. Jason and uh, Rich were doing it with. So that's the Evil Dead cast where you can hear me if you want to hear more of me. I I totally understand if you don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But check out Evil Dead, too. It's a fun show. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, if you want to contact us, you can send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website and click on send voicemail to record a short message and send it to us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And you can find us on Twitter at talking dead. Those are all the best ways to get in touch with us. You have a couple of days to do that to make it in time for our feedback show. So um, until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Ciao, ciao. Stank on his hang low. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's a phrase I'm never going to use again. <laughs> I don't know. It's going into my lexicon. <laughs> it would. <laughs>